Welcome to Books and Beyond with your host, Alison. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl and she works in a library. No my hi my Kiara and welcome to our Books and Beyond Literary Lounge with Alison and Inika. Kia ora Inika. Kia ora Alison. Well look on today's show we're going to be talking about what we've been reading, uh, what's on our to be read lists and hopefully we'll have time for a a hot tip or even a hot tail. Oh, sounds good. Yeah, yeah. So, so keep <coughs> listening. Hey, look, I wanted to tell you firstly about um, the book I've been reading this week. It's the most profound and unputdownable, if that's a word, novel I've read for a while. And it's called Homeland Elegies. And it's by the American playwright and novelist Ayad Akhtar. Um, and it's available in the libraries as hard copy at the moment, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see it come out in e- ebook format. Now, when I say that it's a novel, it's um, one of these ones. It's a novel that's written as a memoir, uh-huh. um, and the memoir. This is, gets really confusing. The <laughs> memoir is written by someone with the same name as the author, but apparently he's not the author. Okay, um, okay, well, he is, but he's not. So there's this real blurring of, of boundaries here um is it fact or or is it fiction which um we've seen more and more of this in 2020 haven't we yes definitely yeah but yeah. whether we, or our brains can cope with it is yes, another question I, know, I had a bit of trouble <laughs> with at times i was thinking what's real and, and what's not mm. but you know I, I guess 2020 has been the year for writers to really mix it up and and blur those blur every boundary you can think of <laughs> <laughs> right yeah <laughs> so um but it's been that sort of year um so anyway the the novel well, i think we it's a novel um it's about the american dream of an immigrant family um so i had parents immigrated to the USA from Pakistan um, and this was in the late 1960s and they were both young medical doctors Mm -hmm. at the time. So Ayad himself was born in America in 1970 and he grew up in the Midwest. So his father adored everything about America, Mm. um, specifically the ability um, to make money through property investments, which a lot of people were doing in the 1980s. Sure. So, um, and his father was kind of in love with Ronald Reagan and, you know, a lot of those kind of presidents, including one fairly recent one. <laughs> um, but, and his father loved, you know, as I say, loved everything about America, but particularly that general, um, you know, that moral superiority that. Um, America claims sure. to have that the belief that everything they did was right and good and pure mm. and for the best reasons, and so the the young man I had um, he believed all of this as well uh, until he was about thirty. Um, you can probably do the maths here, but sure. Um, and, and, but his mother, it's quite interesting. She remained sceptical about um, America's superiority, and. Um, 
But her backstory is interesting. She's homesick for Pakistan, and she was actually in, always in love with her husband's best friend. And it, it, there was sort of that drama where she married the wrong guy, and you know that sort of thing. But um, so really interesting. But then, of course, everything changed for the Akhtar family after nine eleven. Of course. And um, it's so painful, um, but it's an account of, of what it's been like for Muslim Americans since 9-11 and um, particularly through to the, um, the post-truth era that mm. we're in now. So um, my spoiler alert, which I've already spoiled for you, <laughs> there's a, quite a lot about Donald Trump in the book. So, Makes sense with the... Yeah. the um 80s property investment. Yeah, that's and exactly right. And, yes, mm. exactly. Um, so th- you get the sort of disturbing detail about the erosion of truth and decency and hope in a, in a country that's but it's really burdened by debt now and mm. um, sort of but still obsessed with consumerism and you know if everything fails, let's buy something else. Sure, kind of thing. Now um, I do really think it, it's, it's a very brave novel uh, and I don't think it's going to be received well by some um, because it's, it does view America through quite a critical lens. Right. Um, Which is pretty brave when you're talking about the immigrant experience as well, yes, isn't it? Yes, yes. Mm, particularly um, now. Particularly now, yes, yeah. Uh, it's very, very sad. But I tell you who doesn't come out looking that well either and that's Great Britain Mm. Um, because he goes into quite a bit of detail um, this is in the beginning of the book about the partition of India in 1947 Oh yes, and of course history hasn't been kind to Great Britain in terms of that and well their colonial past as well so it's really interesting I found I learned a lot too and I learned a lot about the the wars over the years, the decades in Afghanistan and everything. So it sounds fantastic. It's very, very interesting, and it's pain. It's a painful look at a, a country that's essentially coming apart at the seams mm. or, or tearing it itself to bits, depending on how you want to look at it. And now they have called it quite a provocative book, and I guess I guess it is. But it will really grab you and. Um, it's, it's one that's going to make you think a lot. So Sounds wonderful. Yeah, so I'm glad I've, I've had a go at it this week. Yeah, it sounds really fascinating. And what, what's the, um, for his, the author's father particularly, who would, who'd really swallowed the cold age yes. in a big way? Yeah, well, he, um, it, it, there's a lot of disappointment for him mm. um, because even though he's a top cardiologist, he ends up losing all his money and the property crash and, and so then becomes quite disillusioned and then um, a lot of this happens fairly early in the book too so I'm not giving away too much Mm-mm. and then of course is treated very badly um, after 2001 um, just because he's he's from Pakistan sure. you know, and he's a guy who he loved America and you know was like more American than any American. Wow! Yeah, so it's yeah, it's a lot to think about with it. This yeah. definitely sounds like one I need to have on my list. Yeah, I think you'd probably quite enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, it definitely sounds yeah. um, sounds wonderful. Yeah. So um, now yeah. you were were you in Texas? Well, not in Texas, but I yeah. did. Yes, yeah. I took a little trip to um, to West Texas <laughs> uh, with my reading and. Um, 
And the book I was reading more, uh, in the last few weeks is Valentine by Elizabeth Wetmore. Um, so this one's published this year. Um, and you'll find it in the fiction collection, and it's also available as an Overdrive ebook and e audiobook. So lots of options mm. there. Um, it's a debut novel by Elizabeth Wetmore, and it's absolutely wonderful. Um, I really. I'm already looking forward to her next book. Mm. Um, apparently, it took her 14 years to write this book. Oh, um, yeah, it's um, it's a book that is set, as I said, in West Texas in, in a small oil town called Odessa. Uh, it's set in 1976 um, and opens on Valentine's Day. Um, it's a really stark but really beautiful written novel, and it's interconnecting stories that all have this very strong sense of place, um, and I think that's born be- born of um, her experience of growing up in the same area. Oh. Um, and it's got this hard-edged kind of modern Western feel oh. that really reminds me of Annie Prue. Oh, um, right. Yes. Yeah, Wyoming Stories and Brokeback mm-hmm. Mountain and those sorts of ones. Um, but unlike most Westerns that, that we read, um, it's told from the perspective of the women and girls oh. who live in, the, in and around the town of Edessa. So right from the beginning, I'll, I'll let you know that um, it does go in with all guns blazing. So in terms of a content warning, um, we the story opens in the immediate aftermath of a brutal sexual assault of a young a young girl who's mm. only fourteen, um, and this is the kind of catalyst for the rest of the story and for the characters in that book. Um, the young victim is called Gloria Hernandez, and um, when we meet her, she is planning her escape um, the next morning from her attacker. And we see her making her way sort of barefoot and bleeding across the desert on the outskirts of town. And she manages to make her way to a near, nearby property, um, a rural property. So she's lucky enough that she finds um, a young woman um, at home, um, a sort of lonely young farmer's wife called Mary Rose. Um, there's this amazing, super tense, kind of riveting standoff between um, Mary Rose, who's pregnant. She's got a little toddler hanging on her skirts, and she's got a gun on her shoulder mm. because um, the criminal of the piece, um, Dale Strickland, arrives at the property, and he's trying to get the young Gloria back in his clutches mm. in order to try and cover up, basically. Now, it, it goes okay for a little while. It does seem like justice is going to be served on our criminal Dale, um, but it's actually not a, not that mm. simple at all. Um, so Odessa is this small town. It's got really big oil fields, and it's got some struggling cattle farms around it. That's that's really where the income is coming in, is mainly from the oil. Um, there's really not much going on in this town for the women. Um, it's out, outside of, say, church, home, and, you know, the kids, and maybe a very poorly paid part-time job mm. that kind of fits in around the work of family. Um, it's very kind of hard scrabble towns. So they really work hard and play hard. And the men of the town and their needs and wants always come first. And we definitely see this playing out through Gloria's um, kind of difficult process of recovery towards what is going to be her mm. new normal. And also Mary Rose comes under a huge amount of fire for choosing to stand up as a witness for Gloria um, when the court case comes through in this town that's really divided in its loyalties and it's got lots of um, racial and gender bias um, out on full display. Um, Yeah, lots Mm. of assumptions about, you know, was she asking for it? Should she Mm. have been at that place at the right time? Yeah, this sort of thing. Um, Now there's... uh, as I said, there's uh, interconnected stories of lots of other women and girls in the book. So we get other female characters, um, their stories 
help to show that power imbalance and all the frustration that the women in this town are experiencing on a daily basis in all sorts of different ways. Um, but it also shows lots of strength and solidarity that they have for each other and um, for, for helping each other out in this really tough place. Um, to pick out just a few characters, um, we've got um, Corinne, who's a former teacher. Um, she reminded me a lot of Elizabeth Strout's Olive Kitteridge. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, but with a drink in her hand. Oh, yes. <laughs> and more or less permanently um, <laughs> since yeah. her husband's death. She's really struggling with um, being retired and, yeah, not being in a partnership anymore and looking back at her life and what it might have been like if, if she wasn't married, actually. Mm. Uh, and we also meet Deborah Ann, who's Corinne's... Um, tough but tender-hearted 10-year-old oh. neighbour, um, mm. a little girl whose who's mum has left the family. So she's left um, Deborah Ann and her, um, Deborah Ann's dad, off in search of another life uh, after having a hard upbringing herself. And um, Deborah Ann starts kind of secretly taking care of and mothering um, a young young man who's kind of doing it tough in the town and trying to look for work. And she starts feeding him with food that she steals from Corinne's pantry oh. when Corinne's a bit this story was so so grabby i read it Mm. in maybe two sittings couldn't put it down it's only about 300 or just over 300 pages um but you'll be gripped from the beginning and i just cannot say yeah recommend this book highly enough sounds wonderful and you've painted a really good picture of it and i'm i'm just sort of thinking about the american dream as well and it's often not so rosy, is it? That's, There's some that's harsh right. realities. That's right. Yeah, and um, she really knows her stuff. And wow. um, she's um, Elizabeth Whitmore is uh, another graduate of that Iowa White- oh, writers workshop. Yes. Yeah, so you know you're in good hands with her writing. And yes. Yeah, I can't wait to read more from her. Yes. Mm. Oh, excellent. Yeah, and I, so I sort of um, I've been doing a bit of reading. Yeah, for trying to fit it in around all the other things that are yeah. going on at this time yeah. of year. Um, shall I jump on to the next yeah, one? Be keen to hear about it. Cool. Well, this one's very, <laughs> it's very twenty twenty in a way. But even though it's set hundred years ago, ah, my cool. next read is um, "The Pull of the Stars" by Emma Donoghue. Again, published this year, adult fiction. It's available on Overdrive, and and it's also available on audiobook on CD this time. Emma Donoghue is, of course, the author of the very famous book Room yeah. that you may have read um, maybe about 10 years ago now. And um, if you've read all of, uh, lots of her other books, she is she's really good on historical fiction. Yes. Really does her research. I think she's really, um, she's got back to form, I think, with this one. Mm. Um, some of her books, uh, they can be a little bit hit or miss. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I tell you what, she hit the jackpot with her timing for this one. It's been a runaway bestseller. It's set in 1918 and it follows a nurse who's working the night shifts in the maternity wing of a Dublin hospital that's in quarantine for patients mm. who are suffering from the Spanish flu. Mm. So you can see how it's really resonating this year. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So she got the idea to start this novel in 2018 when they were running uh, centenary oh, commemorations yes. for um, the, the pandemic. And I bet she never thought this might be that's right and again well her yeah. agent must have been like cha-ching yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely know um you can really trust her historical research she really does it well 
the parallels with this year are just so astonishing, mm. really. Um, she's describing the public service announcements and mm. posters everywhere. She's describing what it's like to be pressed up against coughing mm. um, fellow passengers on an omnibus. Um, and she also has got these amazing descriptions of the hospitals, which, you know, just like they have been um, certainly overseas, you know, a bit understaffed, a bit under-resourced, mm. um, and the staff are really grimly doing their best and working extra shifts mm. to make sure that they are helping their patients as best as they can under these really terrible circumstances and battling brand new illness that they have yes, no idea. I don't really, really understand. trying to learn about it as they're treating it. Yeah. Um, I haven't, you know, I'm not really a big fan of medical dramas no, and I keep reading them now, yeah. so I don't know that's a sign of the times. Um, I've read about three or four now in the last couple of months. Um, this one is, is really detailed in its descriptions of um, helping out with birthing babies. Um, Yeah, so um, in the book, because the the women keep coming, you're getting this Mm. idea of um, all these sort of more straightforward births, but then not so straightforward births. I I really felt like I could maybe give it a go. Like, if I absolutely had had to birth a baby, I feel like this book has has given me a few more tools than I had before. Well, look, I'll try not to oblige you. I'm not saying I'd do it a great job, but um, yeah, it was really detailed. Give it a go. go. Sometimes you'd have, you know... It could happen. That's right. (laughs) Um, The novel's set over three days, and our main character is Julia Porter. So when we meet her, she's in Soul Charge on the ward, and this is her first time being Soul Charge on the ward. So she's got women in labour who are also suffering from the flu. So there's that, um, yeah, Mm, double complication. All going on, haven't you? Absolutely. Um, while she's um, on the ward over the three nights, she meets these two young women who really change her outlook on the world and on her own life. Uh, she meets a woman called De- um, a, a doctor, um, Kathleen, who turns out to be not just a really talented young female doctor, but also who's on the run for her part in a political uprising oh, against the British. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, or, you know, fighting against yeah, British policy. Yeah. And she also meets a young volunteer called Bridie who's um, living and working in the Catholic orphanage that she grew up in. But she's looking for these opportunities to try and get a life away from the nuns because she's been under their thumb for so yeah. long and living it living it really tough there. Um, it's a real story of resilience and humanity under these really difficult circumstances. And it's got that kind of intense professional and personal pressure going on against this backdrop of war and and disease mm. and illness. Mm. Um, but it's got a lot of hope. It's a story of new love and it's got some joy, joyous moments and lots of hope for a better future. Um, certainly it ends on a, a, a kind of brighter note than you would expect mm. when you first get into this novel. So um, it is very popular at the library at the moment, as you won't be surprised by yeah. that. Um, but um, so although it's a great read for 2020, you might have to wait until like early next year, 2021, to get your hands on a copy. But I have seen that we've ordered another big batch of this book oh, good. because of the demand. So um, now will be a great time to get in the queue for it in whatever format works for you as, if you're your not already. In the queue, yes. Put your name in the queue for this. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it sounds wonderful. And as someone with um, my roots, family roots are in Dublin, um, I think I really want to read it. I think you should. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. really enjoy this book. Oh, excellent. 
Well, lots to, to think about. Well, look, um, moving back to New Zealand in the, the present day, mm. I've just re- read, um, it's, I really enjoyed this. It's a New Zealand memoir, and actually it is what it says it is on the box. So it is, in <laughs> fact, a memoir. It's not one of these, <laughs> oh, yeah. the autobiography oh. of a biography. Oh, safe hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it is, it's a memoir, um, and it's by uh, Mark Fetty, and he's, um, it's called Zen Heart, uh, What I've Learned from Animals in Life. Mm. And, of course, a lot of our listeners will will recognise the name, Mark Vetti. He's the well-known and very widely respected animal trainer and dog whisperer. Um, he's trained and, and wrangled animals on screen for decades now. Yes. Um, uh, now, one of his well-known dogs, whose name I think was Hercules, he was the dog on the Toyota ad going back a number of years and the dog uh, who's credited with, with saying... Uh, and, and of course, that um, caused an outcry at the time. Yes, because it made the global stage that advert. It did, I think. Yeah. Yes, but there were some that thought that wasn't an appropriate word to say on telly. How <laughs> things have changed. Um, but anyway, and so Marx taught uh, dogs to drive a car, and he even taught one to fly an aircraft. So he's very talented. But um, do you know I? was telling you a bit about this earlier. I really enjoyed the story of his his life. Um, it's the story of a, a Kiwi Pākehā kid growing up in West Auckland in the 1960s mm-hmm. and beyond. But he had a very complex family life um, and it's it's really taken him decades to come to terms with, with the sort of complexities that he experienced growing up. Mm. He does tell quite a bit of his father's story as well and his father was a prominent airline pilot called called Gordon Vetti. Mm-hmm. He was a brilliant man and he wrote a number of books. But he was a, a chap who worked very hard to get the Air New Zealand pilots exonerated um, from blame after the Mount Erebus disaster. Ah, yes. So it goes into a bit of that. It's very, very interesting. But um, it gives you a really great slice of New Zealand life, um, a, a childhood in the 60s and 70s, when there really was less economic disparity in, in the community mm. than, than we see now. Um, and now, Mark, he touches a little bit on incidences of casual and overt racism that he observed as he was was growing up mm. too. So, yeah, you get a, a picture of of where we've come from. Mm. But I, I learned a lot about um, Mark's uh, spirituality, actually, because he's been a Buddhist since his early 20s. Mm. And you really see his Buddhism reflected in his skillful handling of animals. Interesting. Um, uh, dogs in, in particular. So I really recommend this book. Um, <clears throat> I think it would make a great Christmas gift for, for someone in your life. Um, buy it from a you know local independent bookstore. Awesome. Support local. Yeah, that's right. But um, I was wondering if I had time. I probably can make time for this, can't I? Oh, I was yeah. thinking instead of my hot tip for today, I was going to give you a hot anecdote or a hot tale. Oh, sounds good, Ali. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, you'll love this. And okay. it's tr- 
true. It's true. Like all my stories, of course. So, <laughs> in um, in this uh, related to to Mark and his his dogs, in um, twenty twelve, Mark famously taught some rescue dogs how to drive a car, <laughs> and um, Monty was the hairy face of the the campaign. Monty, um, and because he learned how to put the car in gear, accelerate, and he could steer and brake. That apparently. is amazing. So if anyone's interested, this is all over YouTube. So you can, if you search, on, just search for driving dogs. And it was part of an adoption campaign sponsored by the um, company Mini. And the tagline was, uh, dogs this smart deserve a home. Aww. So it was run in conjunction with SPCA, etc. Well, now, I happen to know a few of the SPCA staff who actually rode in the back seat of the Mini uh. when Monty and the other dogs were driving. And they had a, a few trips around the circuit. It was <laughs> one of those raceways out south. Oh, um, amazing. I've forgotten the name of it. You'd know it if I said it. So they had, but the staff I know had multiple trips. <laughs> and there were two boy, I'm going to gender things, two boy <laughs> dog drivers and one girl dog driver can you guess who was the better driver no really (laughs) and it was the girl so apparently and this is true um the boy dogs were a bit tended to be a bit reckless and they're driving (laughs) they'd accelerate a bit too hard and but they couldn't take corners without running off the road (laughs) um whereas the girl dog she was quite steady and she could go around corners to do the ship yeah. yeah, and I think Monty apparently spent a lot of time looking in the in his rear view mirror. So apparently, <laughs> when they were sitting in the back seat, all you could see were these bushy eyebrows. <laughs> but I'm not sure if he was looking at himself or the, the road. <laughs> that is awesome. I've got to go to anyway, YouTube and look at that. <laughs> it's true. It's all true. Of course, it's all true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, um, on um, that note, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, well, on my to-be-read list, and to be honest, I'm already halfway through because I couldn't stop myself, um, is, uh, it's, this is actually a kid's book. So this is um, The Porangi Boy by Shalu uh, Kino. Oh, Kino? yes, yeah. It's published this year, just came out, I think, September um, or October, and you'll find it in our junior fiction collection and our Māori children's collection as well. Um, I'm only halfway through, as I said, but I'm already singing its praises. It's a wonderful book. Um, the author is an accomplished journalist and writer already of short stories mostly and obviously lots of articles. Um, this is her first novel and it's published by Huia Publishers, a wonderful publishing They're great, group. aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's aimed at kids 9 to 12, but it, actually the themes in it would be a great fit for heaps of teens too, so don't feel restricted by that um, for where it's sitting in the collection. I, I never do. I think lots no. of adults would enjoy mm. this book too. Um so 12-year-old Nico is the, the main character. He lives in a small rural town where developers are planning to build a prison above a sacred spring, which is said to be the home of a local tanifa. Now, if this sounds familiar to mm. you, it's because this book is, is sort of broadly based on the true story of a prison built at uh, Ngafa Springs in Northland. Oh, yes. And in that case, the prison got built. Um, now, Nico's grandfather is protesting the prison, um, despite the rest of the town dismissing him as porangi or crazy. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, they're trying to sell the benefits of, you know, bringing employment to the town and money to the town and so on. Um, now, Nico's also having some problems with bullies and naysayers at school. So um, he takes his Koro's guidance and he part of the book is that he learns how to find his own voice and to stand oh. up for what's important for him and for his whānau. Um, 
Now, within the context of the story, the history and the concepts around Aotearoa's colonisation and that sort of system, systematic and long-running dispossession of Māori from their own land and from their language are really explained so clearly and matter-of-factly in the book. And I think this will really resonate with kids and also adults. So I think, you know, grab it, pick it up. It's a book that would really, I think a lot of people will get a lot out of it. Mm. Um, all the dialogue and settings are really spot on and um, it's got te reo Māori kupu sprinkled through the text with no translation. It comes across beautifully. Look, I love it. Um, it's really the sort of voices and stories that we really need to hear more of and I want yeah, to hear more of yeah. it. So more like this, please, and thank you. Oh, yes, I'd love to wonderful. see more of this on the library shelves. Yes, hopefully um, she'll write more or more will be I think published. she will. I think it's going to be really successful. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well, look, on my um, TBR list, I've just checked it out and I'm really excited about it. And it's the new one by Otessa Mosfet um, and it's called Death in Her Her Hands. Um, Now, I'm really excited to read it, but it's another one that's slightly odd. Um, It's a mysterious mystery, so a mysterious murder mystery, (laughs) because you're not even really sure, I don't think, if there is even a murder. Um, So in the beginning of the book, there's a note from the so-called perpetrator who says he didn't do it, um, but there's no no body. (laughs) So, and I'm not sure if you're ever going to find out if it is actually a murder mystery, so but it, it or is it a sort of a dark psychological tragedy slash comedy? Mm. So she's a great writer, and she, is. she breaks a lot of rules in her writing, which I love. And this year, particularly, we need to see more of that. Um, but um, she's and she's known for having quite unsympathetic characters. She but, is. Um, she's very very interesting very interesting writer so that's one I I can't wait I've read this one oh that's right yeah yeah, I would like to talk to you about this another time definitely oh I thought you were going to say a bit more time I've got it all wrong maybe (laughs) we'll have to come back to that sounds good oh look this has been so good there's so much to talk about today can't wait for next week when we'll talk a bit more about our summer reading that we're going to do and our programs But um, in the meantime, to our listeners, thanks so much for tuning in today and take care of yourselves and be kind to yourselves and others, of course. Haere rā, kakite anō. This program was brought to you by Auckland Libraries. Find us online at aucklandlibraries.govt.nz and... Catch the program next Sunday at 9.35pm on 104.6 FM or anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz slash books and beyond. Every day, every day, every day, every day.